Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. So last week we talked about Solitudes and Tin Man, which gave us some interesting puzzles to figure out. And today we're going to be talking about episodes 19, 20, and 21, There But for the Grace of God, Politics, and Within the Serpent's Grasp. There But for the Grace of God premiered on February 20th, 1998, was written by David Kemper and Robert C. Cooper, and directed by David Worry Smith. Politics premiered on February 27th, 1998, was written by Brad Wright and directed by Martin Wood. Within the Serpent's Grasp premiered on March 6th, 1998, was written by Jonathan Glasner and James Crocker and directed by David Worry Smith. So we get to see our first alternate dimension, which is really fun. Arzu, would you please give us a quick summary? Yes. So in There But For The Grace Of God, they go to yet another new world. And they're looking around and Teal'c is like, this whole planet's radioactive. We should go. And everyone's like, okay, let's go. And Daniel's like, wait, I found something shiny. And he picks it up and then uh, he clicks it and this mirror opens. And then when he turns around, he realizes they've all left him. So he goes through the Stargate and he ends up sort of at SG-1, but it's a completely parallel universe um, where nothing is the same. And I have several questions about that. But... (laughs) Well, some things are the same, just not um, all things are the same. Yeah, like the people are all there, the same people, yeah. but but some, some things are different. In politics, they get, like, Daniel gets back home, and then in politics, the government wants to get involved, so they're all going to be put on trial to decide the necessity of the SG-1 program, and this episode is a clip show. Um, yeah. I looked it up to see if there was a writer's strike in 1998. There wasn't, so I don't know what's going on here. I um, think it's like an end-of-the-season wrap-up kind of idea. Yeah, but, like, not necessary. (laughs) They were out of ideas. That's what it was. They were tired. (laughs) And then uh, in Within the Serpent's Grasp, everything comes to a head because in this alternate dimension that Daniel had gone into, he saw that the gold were going to attack Earth. They had already attacked Earth. It was escalating, and he realized that the same attack was going to occur in his own dimension. So he is trying to warn everybody. And this is where they are trying to get ahead of that attack before it completely devastates Earth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it leaves off on a cliffhanger. And it leaves off on a cliffhanger. (laughs) Did they know they were getting a season two? Yes. That's why it's on a cliffhanger. When it gets to the point where they're not sure from season to season if they're going to continue, they don't end on cliffhangers anymore. Okay. Just in case. Yeah. (laughs) So the first, like, two or three seasons have cliffhangers because they know they're getting renewed. But, yeah. Okay, so let's start with our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, you're sending a nuclear weapon to Chulak. And your guess was that General Hammond is speaking to SG-1, who wants to send a powerful device to Chulak for some science reason. And the device could potentially set off a large explosion if something goes wrong. But Jack assures Hammond that it'll be fine. And Daniel's impatient about getting it sent through, with Teal'c silent in the background and Sam off somewhere else. If I tried, I could not have been more off base. <laughs> I You're could, very like, specific, too. <laughs> I could, like, very specifically wrong. <laughs> so the real context for that quote is that, um, so in this first episode there, but for the grace of God, which, like, say that five times fast, um, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel is in an alternate, alternate dimension uh, alternate alternate reality of Earth, 
and um, the SGC or Earth as a whole is under attack, and they decide that they're going to send a bomb through to Chulak to try to prevent the attack from happening, which doesn't really work. But yeah, so this is Daniel speaking to Jack. Yeah. So what's your question about the alternate reality? I understand objectively how it works. We're like, they found the Stargate and using Daniel's like knowledge, Catherine managed to translate it all and open the Stargate and whatever. But SG-1 as a body was set up primarily to deal with the threat that resulted from all the shit they did in the movie. Mm-hmm. Without Daniel, they don't do any of that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you remove yeah. Daniel from the narrative and, you know, Earth doesn't get involved with the gold and Daniel doesn't stay and the military has no reason to go. Like they, they have no reason for sustained contact. They open the Stargate, they come back. Like Daniel wants to explore. So Daniel leads them to the village. So Daniel gets them to like know everybody and he puts them in the path of the gold. Like he's so crucial to mm-hmm. how these things unfolded that I'm not sure how they got to this point without him. Makes me wonder if maybe somebody else kind of partially fulfilled that role. Like, because Sam in this reality, she's not part of the military, but she is, she has like a PhD in some form of science. I don't remember if it's astrophysics exactly. Yeah, it's astrophysics. Okay. Um, Because I mean, she also has that in our reality, but she's just not in the military in this one. So I don't know, maybe because they, they kind of, with the SG-1 show, they kind of retcon it slightly and say that Sam was on the team that was trying to translate this stuff back when Daniel was working on it, except that she was, like, off site or something at the time. <laughs> she was just <laughs> off camera. Yeah, yeah, she was off site at the time and, and didn't meet him, um, but that she had been working on it for two years before Daniel came on board. Um, so maybe in this reality, she actually goes through with the first team and so maybe she's the one to kind of encourage meeting the villagers and and stuff like that okay so hear me out then so sam leads them through sam takes them to the village sam is responsible for them communicating and then there's this like village guy who's like hey and sam's like hey and then jack's like i don't bleep and think so and then that's how (laughs) sam and jack happen because sam and jack are together in this reality this is superior reality (laughs) I was going to ask you, like, are you in love, like, this episode because of this? <laughs> yes, that's why, that's why I like this episode so much. Yeah. My ship has sailed. They're a couple, they're engaged, and then, like, when Daniel gets back to his own reality, um, and he tells them that they were engaged in this other reality, Jack looks like intrigued jack Definitely. is not mad about this plot twist and so no. like no focus and jack's like but engaged <laughs> so you're saying there's a version of sam who is open to this and he says it like it's not possible because it's against protocol which makes me think that his line of thinking is he's totally on board with it he just knows he can't because of protocol I, I, that the fact that that is jack's only obstacle yeah. makes me so happy but I will say alternate Sam and Jack when Jack is going off, you know, through the Stargate for, for dangerous mission things and Daniel finds out they're engaged. It's because they're like hugging in this very intimate way. And I'm like, 
kiss her you coward <laughs> i know i was really upset they didn't kiss like, like come on this was written by men because nobody is yep. kissing yep like y'all are about to die <laughs> he is your fiance ma'am like <laughs> engaged to be married and the best you can manage is a hug right but you know yeah. I did have I, in my notes before I realized they were engaged mm-hmm. that just the tension of her being like the scientist on the team and him being the mm-hmm. soldier on the team. Like, I hope they're like, I used words I can't use on this podcast, but I'm like, I hope they're hate banging somewhere. <laughs> and then they're engaged. I'm like, even better. <laughs> Although the two are not mutually exclusive. Right. Yeah, totally. Anyway, that was well, the horny hour might come back, but. If I'm not misremembering, I think we get to experience an alternate reality again. And obviously not the same one because they're all dead. Um, <laughs> but I think it's another one where they're a couple. Are they, is there kissing so, in that one? I feel like I remember them kissing. So I don't know. Maybe Excellent. I'm misremembering. But if, Are they one <laughs> of those couples who are like destined to be together across space, time, and dimensions? And it's just a matter of time before they're together here, too. And I'm going to get way too attached to them. And then when this blows up in my face, I'm going to be unreasonably upset. No comment. Okay, great. Can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) Well, I will say that um, anything is possible in fan fiction. Great. Thanks. I can't wait for one of them to die. So um, anyway, the last thing I will say before I start getting serious is uh richard dean anderson in those fatigues um in there but for the grace of god i didn't think i was gonna make it i did think i was gonna pass out do you prefer the fatigues or the the formal wear either both okay the formal wear is what he's gonna like wear to meet your parents but the fatigues are just a whole bunch of things i can't say on this show i mean it's not that much different from what he normally wears I, it was just it's, something about alternate I think universe. It was like camo rather yeah. than solid green. Something about alternate universe, uh, Jack. In, he in had the like camo a scar where, above his eye too. I think. I just feel like he pulls hair. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, right back to the uh, <laughs> back plot. to the episode. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, when they first went through to this world that has the mirror device, I thought it looked remarkably like the set they used for the Tin Man episode with the uh, the robot guy. I agree because I thought for a second that they had gone back. Yeah. Until like they were acting like they'd never been here before. And I'm like, oh, it's just the same studio. Yeah, it's probably the same set and they just moved a few things around and then they kept it really, really dark so they couldn't tell us the exact same set. Especially if they filmed it back to back, like one and then the other. They just threw some extra tarp around and cleared out some props and they went, yeah, it's a completely different planet. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I'm like, what are the odds of having like another huge warehouse type facility with an enormous ceiling? Oh, I thought it was hilarious when, like, Daniel, he touches the mirror and he doesn't realize that he is now in an alternate dimension, alternate reality. And he goes back and thinks that SG-1 has left him behind again. And he's like, oh, no, (laughs) not again. (laughs) I put in my notes, they ditched you because they're sick of your ass. (laughs) Poor Daniel. The fact that he's just expecting to be ditched at this point. I'm like, maybe it's you. 
<laughs> Maybe you're the problem, Daniel. Yeah, I'm like, I, I was looking at your notes and like, yeah, Teal'c is like, this place is is radioactive. We need to get out of here. And meanwhile, they go like touching things. And, <laughs> like, like, cool, <laughs> artifacts. And Teal'c and Jack are like, we need to go. <laughs> I did think it was funny um, when Daniel was in alternate SG-1. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of explaining all of these attacks that have been happening with the gold and stuff. And they take him to this map and they're like, all the cities in red have been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And it might have just been that they wanted to zoom in on a certain part of the map. And they didn't bother mm-hmm. set dressing the rest of the map. But I'm like, if you move anywhere east of like Europe, you're uh-huh. fine. Or yeah. Like south of <laughs> like the southern mm-hmm. continents or east of Europe. I'm like, you're mm-hmm. fine. It looks like they're not interested at all. It was mostly Europe, the like northern Africa, and then the east coast of the US. So that's it. California's fine. Middle East. Yeah. Is, I'm like, wow, the Middle East is the safest place to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It's kind of borderline because most of Egypt was gone. Egypt, yeah, but if you move like north yeah. Middle East, you're fine. But they might be moving that way pretty soon. I feel like they're going to go back to Europe. Yeah. And almost all of Spain was completely gone. I'm like, oh, poor Spain. <laughs> Bye, Spain. They went for the tapas. <laughs> yeah. I did think that there were some interesting arguments to be made with like reasons for doing things with this episode and the politics episode, like in this one, they, because Daniel wasn't there initially, they never had a reason to go to Chulak or like they didn't learn the gate address for Chulak. And so when they learned the gate address from Daniel, they send a bomb through and Daniel is really angry because they're just killing a bunch of innocent people. And Jack is like, this is war. They've killed 1.5 billion people. So anything we can do to strike back is reasonable. And I'm like, you know, I mean, he's not wrong. Like, yeah, (laughs) that's a lot of dead people. And the attacks are continuing. They're obviously planning on wiping out the entire earth if you can send one bomb to their home planet to potentially stop it, I mean, I I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah, I think I think I agree only because they don't have they don't have the added context. Yeah, for what all this is. So, yeah, they don't know who's living there, or I mean, like Daniel is telling them, oh, it's innocent people and they're slaves, but I mean. As far as they know, it's a military base, you know? they don't. Yeah, they don't have Teal'c, they don't have Daniel, they don't have that context. Yeah. I do think it was funny that when Daniel is trying to communicate how, like, he fits into this story in his version of the world, he, like, explains them going to Abydos and, like, them integrating. And he he somehow doesn't mention Sheree in any of this. I'm like, you stayed behind for a whole year for that woman. And she doesn't come up at all. I think the writers forgot about her at this point. <laughs> I genuinely think they forgot. Maybe. because And also, like, you know, Sam and Jack are hugging before Jack goes away. And Daniel's like, what? They're engaged? I'm like, yes, Daniel. People do make time for their significant others. <laughs> oh, Even in a military situation. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. I... It, it's like... In other episodes, I can overlook it because something else is going on. I I, I can overlook it. I have not once overlooked it. But (laughs) in theory, I could overlook it. Yeah. 
it's glaring here that he doesn't it's talk true. about her at all. It's true. Like, because she was a motivating factor for going to Chulak in the first place. For going to Chulak, for everything that happened on Abydos. Yeah. Like, the whole... She's so interwoven with this part of the story. Yeah. It is very weird that he doesn't bring her up. Yeah, I agree. Am I allowed to talk about politics? Uh, yeah. The episode? Because uh-huh. it does tie in. Yeah. This charade thing. Is that so part of what happens is the senator who comes in to basically read their business like to them, which is very funny because he comes in like this program costs too much. And also I've never served in the military and I'm like, well, I hope your bone spurs aren't bothering you. But um, <laughs> oh, my he reminded that line. <laughs> I was like, this is this is Trump. I wrote <laughs> Senator Bone Spurs in my notes. <laughs> getting strong flashbacks because like due to medical reasons i never joined the military and i guess he's like vietnam aged yeah i guess um oh like that's just like the classic like republican excuse for not serve. like i honor and respect the military but it's just so unfortunate that i couldn't serve myself i'm like yeah okay (laughs) i would say that this is too on the nose but this was like 20 years before trump yeah so anyway anyway so he comes there and he's like talking about how much of this program is costing and whatever and i'm like okay first of all i think it's very funny that your biggest problem is the cost um not that you know the lives lost or mm-hmm. any of the civilizations harmed just no, it's the cost fine well no i mean he does talk about lives lost in terms of bringing back a disease that could spread could spread but he doesn't care what they've done when they've gone out like that none of that bothers him i'm just like if the cost is such a problem why are we not motivated to find sheree faster (laughs) well i mean it's not that they're not trying they need to try harder because they're like there's a lot of meandering for something that costs like what like a billion dollars a day that's not what he said but that's what i heard but they're also not going to keep the entire program running only to find daniel's wife like that's like an added bonus at this point so but not the reason the they're doing it. for themselves well i mean obviously they're doing it now to you know meet other cultures and and you know discover new technology and medicines and things like that and finding sheree and scara is the cherry on top okay you know i for some reason thought once they find them they're like well we're done well, no, they're not going to shut down the program. Once shut it down, them. pack it up. <laughs> I don't know what the word for this is, but the like mm-hmm. militarism uh-huh. of it was so strong with like yeah. defending this nation and uh-huh. blah, blah. For those of you listening who don't know me, I'm not American. So like defending this nation, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, this seems pretty on par for sci-fi of the era. And then I went, wait, <laughs> this is pre-2001. Yeah. Which like, what on earth happens to this show after <laughs> it i mean it doesn't get more military necessarily I feel, actually it gets uh, it gets less military honestly interesting because I, I thought mm. i'm like oh we're about to quadruple down on that but no okay interesting that's interesting yeah i feel like um, over time they get they slowly get more like civilian people coming in to like work on the program so it's a little bit more of a balance i did also think it was interesting when um they're trying to explain like what's going on with the gold and, and the mm-hmm. jaffa and all and they refer to him being a god and this guy gets really upset 
<laughs> oh yeah. He gets real upset. I'm because like, because he's an all-American man who believes in God, and he does not believe in the existence of other gods. And... But he's speaking to an alien, which is where I'm like, <laughs> you gotta ask yourself some questions here. Yeah, it was Just funny to me that he was like, like something about how God will protect them or whatever, like, and like saying this to Teal'c, and it's like, you know, Teal'c doesn't believe in God, right? Like an our God, right? Like <laughs> Teal'c is from another planet. Yeah. has different beliefs yeah it would be interesting to like hear some religious leaders opinions on if you knew that all of these other planets in the galaxy were populated by sentient people what does that mean for you in terms of like god's existence and god's creation of the universe but, yeah i don't that doesn't really come up ever so <laughs> it doesn't but hey if you're a uh, religious leader or religious let us know. Would yeah. that change? Would that change your mind at all? Yeah. Would, what would that? What would that mean for you? Especially for like alien races who are not humanoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. In this politics episode, his whole Senator Kinsey's whole thing about the Stargate program costing too much. Again, like while he's obviously the villain here, he's also not wrong about how insanely expensive the program is. And nobody knows what it is. Like he's talking about how in the Senate's budget, it just comes up as line item under the Pentagon area 52. And it costs, which is funny. um, And it costs $7.4 billion a year. And so it's kind of like, you know, knowing what, you know, the Senate arguments look like for our normal military budget and wanting to know where all the money is going and what it's being used for i absolutely people should be questioning what the 7.4 billion dollars per year is they can just skim off of everybody's like mistress budget (laughs) they'd make it up in no time (laughs) i mean obviously they're they're getting the money but i mean if i was a senator i would also be like what is this like what is costing this much money yeah so I mean, yeah, I I guess I feel like long term, it doesn't make a lot of sense to keep the Stargate program a secret because I mean, how do you because as time goes on, they're inevitably going to keep spending more and more and more money. This budget is going to get like so much larger. And how are they going to keep hiding it from people? The irony that if they had waited a few more years, they could just throw it all under Homeland Security and nobody would say a damn thing. Mm. Very easy line item to hide it under. Maybe they use that in the future as a way to increase the budget. Maybe. They kind of like reappropriate it under a different title. Because I mean, I was also thinking about like, I I was thinking that they were going to say something more like, you know, 40 million or something like that. I'm like, 7.4 billion already in 1997? A lot of money in 1997. That is a lot. Yeah. That's like practically in the trillions for 1997. So it makes me wonder, like, is there like a website that has like a yeah, let me inflation? Look 1998. Mm-hmm. Purchase an item for. Okay, that, it's a lot of zeros. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It would annually cost almost $13.5 billion. Okay. All right. So an, an additional like $6 billion. It's almost doubled. Yeah. <laughs> Thirteen billion dollars a year. Yeah, that's like just an 
unfathomable amount of money. Yeah. And that's like year one of this program. (laughs) The things that they're going to do in future seasons are going to cost a lot more. Just start hemorrhaging money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I think like long term, it's just like (laughs) totally unrealistic to think that the Stargate program could remain a secret forever. I do like when they're going into the meeting and Jack is like, hey, Daniel, maybe don't tell him about the alternate universe and the threats that you saw while there. And Daniel's very serious question is, why? Yep. Like, think about that one for five (laughs) seconds, Daniel. And if you still can't think of the answer, I will tell you. Well, I mean, I think I think they're both right because Daniel's story does sound crazy and doesn't have like any evidence really to back it up, but it is also a, a valid claim that it's, you know, the gold are going to come. It is a very valid claim, and I think if it had just been the, the usual crew who was used to seeing weird stuff all the time, Mm-hmm. then yeah daniel can absolutely go ahead and yeah and tell them but i'm like this guy doesn't really know what it is you do all day honestly i think he was gonna believe daniel until sam said it was because he traveled to an alternate reality and that's where they lost him yeah I'm like if you just left that part out he honestly might have believed you like if you had just said that you found an old communique and it accidentally got erased before you could show it to the others or something like that you know like yeah just don't don't go with the alternate reality thing so i noticed too that daniel took the hand device that controls the mirror with him to the alternate reality and didn't bring it back so that means that in our reality they can never use that particular mirror because they don't have the device to control it. So careless, Daniel. Losing his yeah. wife, losing his remote control. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, too, that, like, Sam is probably so jealous <laughs> to not have been able to experience it. <laughs> She'd be so, yeah. so fascinated. <laughs> Jack's jealous, too, but for a different reason. Yo, yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's thinking about it now. Uh-huh. Yep, <laughs> he sure is. Thinking about what kind of opportunity he could get. Like, so, how do we feel about bending protocol? And, you know, honestly, I was thinking it's probably a good thing Daniel didn't exist in that reality because it would be extremely disorienting. I mean, it's just like the robot episode, like seeing yourself. (laughs) It's just, but this time it's not a robot. It's like really yourself. Oh, we do learn an important piece of information that carries through the rest of the show, which is that a wormhole can stay open for 38 minutes. So that is play later. Yes. That comes up many times. Cool. Yeah. To know. I like all these little threads being woven in gradually. Every time we get something like that, I like to imagine somebody in the writer's room, like writing it on, on the wall. Yeah. Things need to remember. (laughs) Yes. Remember this. (laughs) Um, one of these episodes, uh, Politics, was directed by Martin Wood, and I still didn't notice a giant wrench. Maybe it's a season two so, onward thing. Yeah, maybe he just hasn't started that trend yet, unless I'm just like really not noticing it in the background. I didn't see it either. Oh, I did want to ask you, did you like Teal's hair? 
I actually wrote nice hair teal. <laughs> He's got like a ponytail. What do you, what do you call it when you have like hair, but then the rest of it is shaved? Is there like a, a word for that? Because he's got a really long ponytail, but the rest of his head is bald. I don't know. That's a thing. It also makes me wonder how they attached it to his head. Like, do they just like glue it? If it's a if it's a cap, then that's part of the cap. But I think he's actually bald. Yep, they probably just put a cap on for that. Oh, okay. I, there's no name for it. I'm pretty sure the actor it, keeps his head bald for this entire show and eventually gets tired of it because i think he he like pops up in an episode of atlantis and he the actor apparently refused to shave his head again <laughs> so he has hair then <laughs> tilk decided to uh grow it out which makes me happy that tilk survives them <laughs> yeah. i don't have to worry about it now there you go. Spoiler alert. Just worry about everybody else. Tilk doesn't die. <laughs> That's a good spoiler, though. I did think it was funny how in There But For The Grace Of God that Daniel gets to, like, flex on understanding Guo World and knowing the Chulak home world and stuff like that. Because, like, they have this recording that's, like, the warning message about the Gould coming and, like, has the the gate address for where they come from and it's in like spoken egyptian which mm. nobody knows you know how to interpret that and he's like oh well you didn't spend a year on abydos learning how to speak it <laughs> i'm like okay daniel <laughs> that's the only thing he did on abydos for a year apparently <laughs> yeah because his wife doesn't exist anymore no he was just learning how to speak a language for yeah. no reason <laughs> Oh, there is, speaking of, like, little things that are inserted in, and there wasn't a giant wrench, but there was a Wizard of Oz reference. Yes. I'm trying to remember what it was. It was um when Daniel was telling them all about the alternate world, and he's, like, like sort of saying what he'd experienced. Jack goes, and you were there. And oh, you yeah, were yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and it. he's like, but you were. Yeah. I'm just reading my notes, and I, I do remember, like, when... <laughs> When Sam and, and Jack were hugging, I wrote in my notes, kiss, 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 in all caps. <laughs> I, had, I had something like that. Um, I, I also... no kissing, cowards, and then on the next line, I wrote cowards again. Yeah. I also, like, noticed, like, a close-up of the iris for the first time in, in this first episode. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's not a completely like smooth surface it actually has like swirl patterns on it because it swirls shut no but like the the metal itself the titanium has swirl patterns on each within... like sheet yeah oh that i didn't notice yeah interesting yeah like little swirls hmm. not big not the big swirl but the little swirls i think we're ready to move on to the last episode i think so so in this one, it's like picking you up right from the end of the last one. So the SGC is getting shut down and SG-1 decides to go rogue and go to these coordinates that Daniel got from the alternate reality. And so we get our first mission on a spaceship. Woo! Woo! It's very fun. And Scar is back. 
Scara, Scara. Yes, uh, he is back. He is currently the gold Chlorel. And when Apophis he gets... Son. He's Apophis' son. Apophis' son. And when he kind of gets to very, very briefly repress the gold and have Scara talk, he remembers Sharae. <laughs> he is the only one on this show who remembers <laughs> Sharae exists. He immediately calls for his sister, which makes sense. Um, mm. Actually, like, the two opportunities... Well, I guess he, Daniel wasn't there the first time. But when Daniel was there, like, the second time that Scar got to talk, like, Daniel never actually talked to him. Because he was, like, kind of half-stunned. So I'm like, um... That's your brother-in-law, maybe? I'm like, I know you can't talk right now because you were just, like, having your brain curdled. But you could just like go over over him and like pat his shoulder or something, you know. Forcefully be like Scara, no. Yeah, but like I wrote in my notes, Jack shoots Scara, and Daniel goes, "Who's that guy?" <laughs> Daniel doesn't know. He has no idea who that is. <laughs> oh dear. Scara's there going charade, and Daniel's like, "What dialect is that? <laughs> What's he saying?" Oh no. <laughs> I have been given no evidence to the contrary. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Jackson, great guy, not a wife guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not a wife guy. That's true. (laughs) I would like to talk about the technology in this episode. Let's do it. So first of all, we get introduced to the Zatnikatel, or as Jack likes to call it, the Zat gun. Which is the weapon, uh, like a hand, hand-sized weapon that emits. It's like a laser beam, basically. Um, that the first shot is like an electrical charge that stuns you, and the second one kills you because your body can only handle so much. And then I've always kind of had a problem with the third shot being disintegration because that I feel like that makes zero sense with science. <laughs> But it's very convenient for the plot. <laughs> like, I think this reoccurs. Throughout. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We see it quite a lot. And I, I mean, I think the disintegration is purely for plot reasons because it makes no sense scientifically. Like, why would an electrical charge disintegrate something like that? I don't know. Because space plot. magic. Yeah. Space magic. <laughs> also, for technology. So they're on a mothership that is traveling probably something like a hundred times the speed of light because it can get from the other side of the galaxy to earth in just a few hours rather than like a year. Also a beautiful set, by the way. Oh yeah. I think it's the nicest set they've had all season. Yeah. I mean, go big on the season finale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I generally like all the the gold ships. They're all, they're pretty. They're pretty. Like they have cool designs, and they're mostly the same. But they try to make some of the rooms a little bit different from ship to ship. But my problem is with Teal'c's knowledge of this kind of ship, because he says he's never been on a ship this large, and never seen or heard of a ship with a Stargate on it. And it just doesn't make any sense to me because I'm like, a year ago, you were the first Prime of Apophis and you never got on a mothership? They built like, all the motherships in the last 11 months. 
that just makes no but but that doesn't make sense according to the um episode where nearty is in a ship which that's singularity episode 14 singularity when they're like uh, viewing the black hole and then Mm -hmm. the mothership comes and you know there's the disease and everything Tilk sees the mothership in the satellite imagery or whatever and he knows exactly what it is i feel like they forgot yeah it's just no consistency no because for plot reasons he needs to not know what it is i mean i can understand him not knowing how to pilot one but never having seen one up close never having been on one is really bizarre yeah because i mean I was under the impression that he was the first prime for a few decades. So apparently this is Apophis's first mothership. I don't know. It's just, it's weird to me. It's fishy. It's sus. Yep. So yeah, motherships become much more common, I guess. Cause like every Gould has multiple. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess this is another one of those things where they're like still trying to figure out the lore. <laughs> And like how much... not writing on the board fast enough. Yeah, like how much does Tilk know? <laughs> how much can he like what kinds of things does he know how to pilot? He says he only knows how to pilot the um death gliders. But there is another small ship the size of a death glider that we see later on that has a different kind of wing shape so that it can fit through the Stargate, and he knows how to fly one of those too. So I'm like, you know. That's not strictly speaking true either. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they're still, yeah, they're still figuring it out, I guess. Road, uh, road bumps, speed bumps, roadblocks. There's a word for that. Growing pains. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I did like their um, covert all black gear. <laughs> sneaky sneaky it was it was so funny when they like were exiting the stargate room on this ship and going out into the hall like you have the three military people who are trained and like using hand signals and like creeping along the side of the wall and then like ducking into the corners and then he cuts to daniel who just runs down the middle of the hallway (laughs) Do you know what and, this whole thing is? What? Don't be suspicious. Don't yes. be suspicious. <laughs> exactly. Yes, he's just like, oh, well, I guess they're going ahead. I need to catch up. Run down the middle of the hallway. And then notably, when they're like ducking behind cords and stuff like that, Daniel is not in sight. It's only showing the other three. He's like, so just- stealth. You can't even see him. <laughs> And he, like, finally shows up again when they enter, like, the, I think it's called a Peltac, the the bridge. But I'm just like, where was he? He was just, like, walking down the middle of the hallway. It's Daniel, so he was taking some pictures, taking some notes, he got distracted. you know he's got that video camera with him all the time. Uh Uh-huh. The video camera that he like in the previous episode and there but for the grace of god he like whipped it up as if he was taking a picture and put it back down again i'm like sir that is a video camera <laughs> you're getting terrible man. you're getting terrible video whipping it around like that just a shaky 90s video where he's like filming <laughs> his shoes in the wall and 
he gets really great shot of the gate and like that's it not especially tech savvy no and also notice that they don't trust him with a big gun yet smart given how he's handling a video camera i think that's a smart decision they give him one handgun and that's it (laughs) yeah that makes perfect sense yeah i feel like as the seasons go on he eventually gets more training and like is a little bit more stealth and like can use one of the larger weapons too. <laughs> the poor guy is like, I'm just a linguist. Pew 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 pew. Did you like the um long range visual communication device? The little ball? The big ball. Big ball. Like a TV but fancier. <laughs> That was hilarious. And what I didn't notice until this time watching it was because uh, Tilk is like, it's like your television, only better, only more advanced. It's not. Grainy. Um, it's, it's, it's not like, can you like watch movies on that? I don't think so. So I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but then um, Jack is like, does it get Showtime? And I was like, oh my God, this is airing on Showtime. That's why they're making that joke. What? The, didn't, didn't it air on Sci Fi? Eventually, but it initially aired on Showtime. That's funny. Yeah. I thought it aired on sci-fi from the beginning. I'm like, why wouldn't you say, does it get sci-fi? Because that would have been funnier. But no, okay, because no, it's originally sense. Showtime. That's very funny. Yeah, it doesn't, like, eventually sci-fi starts by getting just the distribution rates for the reruns. And then they eventually pick up the whole thing when sh- when Showtime doesn't want to run anymore. Mm. Yeah. I love Jack and his meta jokes. <laughs> I just love joke. Jack. <laughs> but we knew that yep is he your favorite boy he's my favorite boy he's the bestest boy <laughs> i do feel really bad for scar in this episode because he gets to like come back into his own consciousness twice and it's like just long enough to realize that he's dying or to realize that like he's about to hurt Jack. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like it's just like he's been witnessing himself do all these terrible things, and then he gets to talk to his friends for a minute, and then he goes back to being under the Gould's influence, and then he gets to talk to his friends again before dying. And I'm like, this poor boy has been through so much. It's so tragic. Yeah, just the whole the whole bit with Jack. Well, not so much the bit with Daniel, but the bit with Jack, where he's yeah. like. I'm sorry, like, forgive me for what I'm about to do. And I'm like, oh, no, baby boy. <laughs> Poor Scara. Poor Scara. I was um, listening, like, to his voice, and it sounds to me like, because he's obviously putting on, like, a fake accent when mm-hmm. he's talking as Scara. When he's talking as Chlorel, I it sounds to me like he's using, like, his normal speaking voice. Very well. Um, and I looked up the, the actor, Alexis Cruz, I think. Okay. Um, he is Puerto Rican, uh, born in the Bronx. So, and, um, the actor that plays Apophis is Jamaican. Okay. So they're just, yeah. Speaking normally. Yeah. But I did do some research into the kind of sound effects of the gold voice. Because I was wondering if that was something that they, like, if it's a practical effect that they do, while filming or if that's like a post thing and it is a post thing okay um so they make it with an audio technique called flanging 
which is produced by mixing two identical signals together, one delayed by a small and gradually changing period, usually smaller than 28 milliseconds. So basically it's like splitting the voice recording into two and slowing one down. Yeah, offsetting it slightly, slowing one down slightly. That's cool. Yeah. So flanging. Today we learned. Yeah. So while filming, they sound totally normal. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think they were all around going, oh, like I didn't think that was happening. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know if they had like um, some like little device on their ear or something, you know. Or... Yeah, like distorting it for them. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. But no, it's all in post. I did have kind of a joke in mind talking about the long range visual communication device which i feel like they come up with a shorter name for it at some point because that's such a long descriptive name they like have six jaffa come in to basically just push a button to get this thing to lift itself out of its own crate and put in position itself inside the stargate because then i mean it's obviously drawing power from the stargate in order to operate and i'm just like why does it take six Jaffa with full armor, like their headpieces and everything, to go push this one button to put it up there? Because like, I feel very like, dramatic. I feel like it's the show's version of how many Jaffa does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah. Apparently six. <laughs> one to push a button and the rest to watch. <laughs> <laughs> At least there's an answer for that. <laughs> so other than... Daniel forgetting about Sharae again. How do you feel about women representation in these episodes? I mean, it's not great. It's um, practically the, non-existent. I mean, it's just Sam. Other than the existing women <laughs> and the doctor in the yeah. flashbacks. Uh, and some half-naked ladies hanging out with the Jaffa and the Gwul. But not great. Well, uh, there were there were a lot of priestesses. Is that the half-naked uh, ladies? Yeah. yeah. So in um when Chlorel like wakes up and they're talking to Apophis, there's a bunch of priests and priestesses. They're all I think they're all Jaffa. I mean the women definitely are because you can actually see the X's on their bellies. Yeah. Um yeah, so there's a bunch of those in there. But maybe you know, speaking it's pretty par for the course. Yeah. So Yeah. It's kind of one of those things I've stopped noticing at this point. That's true. I feel like I'll notice when they do something remarkable or remarkably yeah. awful, but otherwise I don't really notice. That's true. That's true. Very standard. Very 90s. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like there's anything particularly problematic. For once. Yeah. I'm kidding. That's not true. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it's happened. I mean, over three episodes, I don't remember anything. It's a pretty good track record. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember anything either. Do you have any final thoughts on these three episodes? Let Sam and Jack kiss. <laughs> you cowards. <laughs> Let him smooch. Yeah. I'll second that. The USS Jam will sail. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Hashtag Jam. Hashtag Jam. Okay, well, we are done with season one. <gasps> um, bum ba da uh, before we wrap up, we have a few things to review for this season. Uh, so I've been keeping a character death tally. And so this is just for the, the main four of SG-1. So 
for Jack, Sam, and Teal'c, they each died twice. And Daniel died three times. Daniel wins or loses, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> there were four Wizard of Oz references. And I don't think we got any of the other. There are multiple references that start coming up down the line when we start getting like recurring directors who like having running jokes going on in the background. And I don't think we're really seeing any of those yet besides Wizard of Oz. So I'll let you know how that continues in future seasons. And then yeah. can I read this one? <laughs> yes. <coughs> I got very excited. Of the episodes. 21 episodes total. The 21 episodes this season. In 13 of them. Was this updated for today? Uh-huh. In 13 of them, Daniel does not mention Sheree. Yep. That <laughs> so is only... more than half the season. Yep. Only, only 8 out of 21 episodes. It's not great, Daniel. <laughs> That's not great. Okay. So one more thing <clears throat> I would like to do before we wrap up is at the end of each season I would like us to pick our top three favorite episodes and then when we get to the end of SG1 we will then have top 30 episodes and we can then probably I would say rank them like top 10 from there um I mean I think that'd be a good way to like give a good round up to the each season and to the series as a whole so do you want me to start or do you want to start you go for it there were two that I definitely wanted in my top three, which was Thor's Hammer and Solitudes. Thor's Hammer, I just, I mean, I think part of it goes back to just like, I really like love anything having to do with Norse mythology. And also it introduces, even though we don't get to see Thor's race in this particular episode, we do get to see them later on and they're really fun characters and so it's like the beginning of a beautiful journey kind of thing <laughs> starting in this episode. So it's kind of nostalgic in that way. And then I think Solitudes is just a really fun, non-stressful mystery that we kind of like get to puzzle through with SG-1. Mm-hmm. Um, just just purely fun. Like it doesn't well, at the moment it doesn't tie into other things. It will later on. Um, which I think also gives it a little bit more depth. And then I picked for my third one, the Knox, because even though I think their language learning is entirely unrealistic, um, <laughs> yeah. they are, they are very fun characters. And I think they're very interesting and cute. And I will give an honorable mention to within the serpent's grasp, the very last episode, because it's like our first episode, like, on a spaceship and getting to do like basically a big mission against the gold since raw like this is our their first like big encounter with apophis since they had to fight raw so i think that's it's kind of like opening up to more things to come cool so what are your top three all right, so my top three in no particular order are Solitudes, sort of for the same reason you mentioned. It's a nice mm-hmm. puzzle, very self-contained, which I like. Um, I didn't know it comes up again later, but that's good to know. But yeah, just like everybody trying to figure out like mystery of the week kind of deal. Korai, because again, very self-contained. It's like a, like a trial thing, which I like. So it's a lot mm-hmm. of like 
morality questions and what mm-hmm. does it mean to be a good person and, and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was very interesting. And then there, but for the grace of God is the third one because of the Sam and Jack stuff. I'm not going to pretend it's pretty for a reason. Um, <laughs> it was I'm a not. fun episode too. It was a fun episode, but I'm not going to pretend like it, it made the top three for any reason other than it gave me Sam and Jack content. <laughs> and then honorable mention goes to brief candle, both because I liked, I liked the aesthetic. I liked the vibe. I liked the, the question it posed that they had to solve. I like that Jack wasn't wearing a shirt, but the reason it's an honorable mention is because it is extremely dubious consent, borderline yes. non-consent. There were some drugs. He didn't know what he was saying yes to. So didn't like that. Yeah. But had that not been there, then it yeah. would have easily made the top three. Yeah. Cool. I think it'll be interesting to see like season to season, how much our top threes overlap. Yeah. Cause like right now we have one overlapping right now. That's it. It's either going to be like we're picking the same three or we're going <laughs> to diverge so wildly. Yeah. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. I mean, I it don't, could continue I like we... this. Like there's like one or two episodes that stand out for both of us, but then there's like a tertiary one that, you know. I feel like as we go, we're going to stop overlapping. That's my theory. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so next week, we're actually going to be taking a quick break from SG1. And so we'll be getting back to SG1 season two in two weeks. So next week, we are going to be talking about the first four half hour episodes of the animated show Stargate Infinity. And it is something. Oh, goody. (laughs) We've already recorded that episode and it is a trip. It's fun. (laughs) My brother recorded with us. Yeah, it was great. It was really great having like somebody else witness this insanity. He liked it more than we did. <laughs> yeah, he did. He really did. So if you want to watch along with us, there's a couple ways to do that. So Con TV owns the distribution rights, and they're a paid streaming service. Um, and they have all different kinds of like comic-related shows. And they do have a free seven-day trial. So you can go to their site directly or through Amazon Prime. And if you can't or don't want to watch the whole season within the trial period, you can find your own method of watching online which I suggest and feel free to message us on Twitter if you need help finding it. And if you're not able to watch them at all, that's totally fine. We're going to give much more detailed summaries than we usually do. So you can follow along even if you haven't seen it. Okay, Arzu. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a quote from the season two opener of SG1 rather than infinity. Okay. That we will reveal in two weeks. Yep. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. It isn't dark. We're blind. And we failed. Jack is talking to the rest of the team. Okay. About what? Something's gone wrong with the with the gold. And Daniel's like, wow, it sure is dark in here. And Jack's like, it's not dark. We're blind and we failed. So something went wrong with a piece of tech. And they have like lost their sight. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, that's it for today. Hooray for the end of season one. We made it. Okay, if you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. And you can find the Geeky Waffle Network on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We are at thegeekywaffle.com. That's where we post all of our reviews, all of our other shows. I write reviews, Chelsea writes reviews. All of that good stuff is on the site. 
And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash waffle. That's where we post things like Waffles After Dark. We don't do it super often, but if you want to hear me uh, waxing poetic about Jack O'Neill in a way that isn't restrained by what we can and can't say on this show, that's the place to hear it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us today. And we will see you on the other side of the event horizon.